look out to this generation of people today. As I look out at the chaos that this world is experiencing and going through, I see that there are so many people who are crippled and blinded by the harsh reality of the darkness that surrounds us, that surrounds everyone. I've seen sin and temptation. I've seen it personally drag people I know under hell's fiery and, and mighty grip. I've seen younger people that you know I've grown up with going throughout my schooling or, or just knowing of them who have lost their innocence. I've seen it left and right. I've seen it with multiple people. I've seen it ever since middle school age and even to now, college age. I see it happening all the time. I've witnessed friends who who are claiming to be Christians, who who go to church even, who testify scripture in their bios and you know on social media or on their stories or I've seen people who have heard and experienced Jesus and have give, have been given an opportunity to live a life fully obedient to God. I've seen these people run away from their faith just to chase the fleeting pleasures of this world. I've even, I, I've even seen myself. I've seen myself multiple times doing the same exact thing. You see, I think... I think the reason that we're in so much of this mess that we are today in this country as a community, you know, as Christians, we're in this mess of chaos because of our lack of authenticity in our relationship with God. Our faith isn't genuine like it should be. And we're all at fault of this. You know, we, we get so content with comfortability It's like we place God into a box in our closet where we only get him out when you know, we need to look good, when we need to appear like we're God-like, that we're righteous, or even when our schedule allows it. You know, our parents take us to church or you know, we're conveniently in an area where, where they're talking about God and, and that's when we take it out of the box. Or maybe it's just when we desperately need him. And that's not a bad thing, but... When we only call on Him when we're in trouble, when you know we're at our lowest, that's not a genuine relationship with Christ. And it's because of this lack of authenticity that we're experiencing so much turmoil and, and, and it, it kills me. And as a collective generation, we are at fault. We've run so far from God by normalizing, normalizing our, <laughs> our comfortability. We're comfortable with things like sex, with like, like abusive substances. You know, we've, we've normalized abortion and, and divorce and same-sex relationships and just the overall exposure of influences that are the opposite that are the opposite of what God calls us to be obedient to. 
This widespread and problematic concept of a lack of genuine faith isn't just a new phenomenon that's occurred recently. Since the beginning of time, since the beginning of time, we've had people run away from their faith, run away from a relationship with God. It has happened ever since the beginning of the first few pages of the Bible. Adam and Eve, the whole story behind that is the reason why we struggle with, with, with sin and with darkness today. It's because of what happened then. It's because of selfishness in our lives, the selfishness that's evident in the story behind Adam and Eve. Because if you don't know the story, they were placed in an environment in Eden where it was perfect, where they had perfect relationship with God and they were openly together. And God was like, you can do eat and, and, and do whatever you want here and it will be perfect. But just do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of the discernment between good and evil. And if you know the story, of course, they did. Why? It's because the serpent tempted them to be like God. He's like, the serpent's like, yo, hey, he's just not wanting you to eat here because he doesn't want you to be like him. And then they ate of the fruit and they were able to be like God in the way that they could understand and choose between what's right and what's wrong. But here's the thing. And here's the thing you need to realize. God is perfect. He's never going to... (laughs) He's never going to fall to darkness. He's never going to fall to evil because he is perfectly righteous in everything that he does. He knows what's evil and he knows what's right, but he's just enough and he's perfect enough to never fall to evil and to always defeat evil itself, whereas we as humans are not. We are not perfect. We are evil people filled with darkness. That is who we are. We are unable to understand and to perceive and to carry out a perfect life, even if we know what good is. And we selfishly want to be like God and have that power and to control what we do and to control if we can have evil or not. So we stray away from the perfect, righteous plan that God has for us. And so for this reason, I'm burdened. I'm burdened to make this and to have this discussion with you, the listener, because I feel like there's so many people that are are, are trapped inside inside of this this hell. Maybe this is you, and you're listening to this, and you feel like you're stuck. You feel like you're slipping. You're not the only one. I want you to remember that. I was burdened for you. And this podcast is not just some random coincidence that you're listening to it. No, this podcast was made specifically for that reason, for you to understand and to take an example from. And so when I was burdened for this, God laid this on my heart. I began to do research about what scripture I could take from, that I could take an example from. And, you know, I came upon a book that I've never read in my life. Like, I mean, I maybe have read it at some point, but like I've, I've never sat down, read it and studied it in my whole life. It's the book of Joel. It's a literal three page book in the Old Testament. And I was astounded by the the content in this book, how deep it is, how beautiful it is, how poetic it is how relatable it is to exactly what I was feeling, the burden that I was feeling for this world, for you. 
And and to give you context, basically, the book of Joel is about the group called the Israelites, who at the beginning are assumed to have run to darkness. It's about this group and how they came to repentance. How they responded to the judgment that God had because of their disobedience and how they came to repentance and how God responded to that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story that we can relate from, that you can relate to if you're stuck, if you feel like you're slipping. And I want us to take a look into it. I want us to take a dive into it. So if you're listening, look, really hone in, okay? I'm going to read some scripture. I want you to really understand the words that I'm saying. Visualize the words that I'm saying. You know, if, if, if you even want to bring out your Bible and look at it with me, because it's beautiful, beautiful. It's a beautiful collection of words, phrases, and ideas. So like I said, the beginning of the this book starts off with Joel proclaiming the word of God through him and writing it down. And in the very beginning, it's assumed that that the Israelites have done something bad, but it's never mentioned that the exact sin that they've committed, but they have gone to darkness. And so it begins with the judgment that God has for that. And I'm going to personally say it's probably a, a constant pursuit of darkness collectively in the city, in, in, the, in, the, in the Israelite population. It's, it's a constant downhill slope that they've been on. And so God brings the judgment. And this is how it starts off in Joel. Joel chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Hear this, you elders. Give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. This was written, these first two verses were written to grab the attention of the inhabitants of Israel. And I feel like, in a way, God does the exact same thing to us when it comes to circumstances that come up in our life. God allows hardship. God allows these bad things in our life to happen to us. Not necessarily that He does it to us. And honestly, it's because of our sin that this happens, that things happen to us. Our bad choices equal bad outcomes. And God allows these things to happen to grab our attention, to serve as an example, not only for us, but for generations to come. And that's what these first two verses are saying. So then in verse 4, we get to see what this judgment was from God. This judgment was pretty much locusts. Okay, locusts came into the Israelites' land, and they ate up all the resources. In verse 4, it says, What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. And that's a mouthful, but this is a poetic, a symbolistic book. Okay, I want you to realize that. And basically what those four meanings are, if you look at other translations, it says four different terms for a locust. This, this translation has it a little bit different, which it's the kind of the same meaning, which in total it means that Total destruction has come upon the Israelites with their food, with their water, with their resources, everything. They are starving. They are dehydrating. They are unable to live. And it's all because of these locusts that came into their inhabit, their inhabitants. (laughs) 
And then in verse 5, the next verse, it says, Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut from your mouth. Now, this is not really a shot at drinking here, but again, it kind of is. Because I think I think we are so quick to fill our lives okay, with pleasures that seemingly give us you know, an out, give us a, a pleasure to, you know, alter our perception of what truly is happening around us. But then when we are without that substance, when we are without that pleasure in our life, the question is, how do we deal with life if we don't have alcohol, if we don't have those drugs, if we don't have sex, if we don't have pornography, you know, those things that seemingly give us some form of happiness. But then those things are stripped away and we're left with devastation. And that's what happens here in this book, in this, in this verse. These people who were living in comfortability, who were living off the pleasures that they were just, you know, living by every single day. And when they were stripped of that, they are left with devastation from the locust. So then in the next two verses, it says, for a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. And that's referencing the locust here. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and its fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. So, from these two verses, I want you to see. I want us to. I want us to see what an ungenuine faith produces. What. What having a un unreal relationship with Christ, a lukewarm relationship with Christ, produces. It only produces devastation. The wrong choices that you make, everything that you do that is, is in complete disobedience to God is going to cause you to have negative effects. Sex before marriage is going to cause you to have rifts in your, your, your potential marriage in the future. <laughs> you know, of course, alcohol has its effect. You don't know what you're doing. Health problems like natural things that happen to you that are going to be struggles later in life. Everything that you do that is one step away from God is going to cause you devastation, going to cause destruction and darkness in your life. And, and as Christians, we cannot live, we cannot live straddling the fence of dark and light in our life. I mean, the term for that, I mentioned it, is lukewarm. And it actually, it says in Revelation that, that when we are lukewarm, okay, <laughs> we're considered worthless by God. Worthless. In Revelation 3, 15 through 17, it says this, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. Hear this. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I don't need anything. I don't realize that I am wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Those are some powerful words because listen to me. Listen to me. If you were living in a life of comfortability, if you were living in a life, if you were living in a luke, 
warm life. You are worthless to God. And I'm being blunt with it, but like it, it's, it's, it's words that need to be said. It's words that desperately need to be said to you. Because though you think that you can do it all on your own, though you think that <laughs> you can just use God for when you want him and you don't let God use you, that doesn't mean, that does not mean that, that <laughs> you're living a life worth valuable because the only life worth valuable is a life that's in direct obedience to God because judgment will come to you whether that be now or whether that whether that be when you take your last breath maybe even Jesus comes back and he'll say I don't know you I never knew you. Who are you? I wanted a relationship with you, but you you only used me. I was only a pawn in your little game, your worthless game, when I wanted you to be everything to me. Having a lukewarm life is worthless. So my hope is now that you are convicted. If you're a person who is slipping into darkness, I don't care if it's been a week, a month, a year, your whole life, if you're a person that you feel like you are slipping into darkness and you're not living a genuine life for, for God, my hope is that now you are convicted to do something about it. That you feel as if you're not where you need to be and you want to be in the favor of God. You understand the seriousness of, of, of the life that you're living and the consequences that come for not living your life for Christ. I hope that you understand that. And you may ask me, well, what do I do now? How do I find favor with God again? Well, you're doing the right thing by asking that. The first step in, in finding favor again with God is realizing that there is a need there is a need to be somewhere else than where you are right now. There is a need for repentance. And that's the exact same thing that happened in this book of Joel to the Israelites. Joel has told them in verse 13 how to find repentance. And I want you to understand before I read this, the concept of what they are doing here is the same kind of way we should go about repentance but we have a different way than them. We have a different means of finding forgiveness. But we still have the same God. We still have the same heart. And so verse 13, it says of chapter 1 in Joel, put on sackcloth and layment, O priests. This is Joel talking to the people. He's talking to the authoritative figures first. Put on sackcloth and layment, O priest. Sackcloth is this gritty material that usually is used for bags, if you've ever seen one. And they put this on as a, a sign of grieving, a sign of get rid of, getting rid of the, the comfortable clothes and, and, and coming into a worthless you know, material. And then it says, and layment, which is an expressive, expressive and passionate 
view of grief and sorrow. He says, Wail, O ministers of the altar, go in, stay all night in this sackcloth, O ministers of my God. Because grain and offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Realize that these people found connection with God through their sacrifice. They found forgiveness from God through sacrifice in the temple. And now that they had no resource to do that with, they had nothing. They had no hope. They had no hope of finding favor with God again because they couldn't sacrifice anything. I want you to understand the realness of that. The only hope that they have is that God would choose to save them, that God would choose to love them and have mercy on them rather than to, to, to keep judging them. And that's a scary thought. The person that you wrong has everything, has everything against you, could destroy you. And so verse 14, it says, this is to the people. Consecrate a fast, which means don't eat. Repentance over eating. Can you do that? Call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. What we can take from this is this. If you are wanting to have God's favor again in your life, then a repentful heart will get rid of every distraction, every comfort in life so that you can be at a place where you can genuinely receive God's undeserving grace on your life. Because there's nothing that we could do. There's nothing, there's no action that we can take to find favor with God again. All of it takes place here in the heart. But I want us to realize as well that we have something completely different than these Israelites have. You know, they, they were dependent on a sacrifice in the temple. A sacrifice to replace their sins when we, as New Testament believers, had a living sacrifice, a human, breathing, loving sacrifice who lived a perfect life and died a brutal death on the cross for our sins so that we could live a a forgiven life. And you know, let's take example from the New Testament. You know, Peter at the Pentecost, you know, he goes off and he, and he basically is saying that Jesus is the Savior and and it's time for you to repent and, and to come <laughs> to come into full submission of Jesus. And these people asked him, they were like, now when they heard This they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? That's the same question that we ask. What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And then it says that, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
the people who killed Jesus on the cross found repentance. And so my plead with you is that if you are surrounded by darkness and you are slipping into darkness or have been for a while, I'm, I'm, this is the open invitation, okay? The open invitation to call you to repentance. This is God calling you to repentance, to return to Him. And if we go back to Joel, and I want to skip over to chapter 2 and verse 12, God responds to the Israelites through their repentance. And I got to say, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The characteristic of God that's represented here is is beautiful. In verse 12 of chapter 2, it says, Yet even now, declares the Lord. Mm. Yet even now, after you have messed up a million times, after you, (laughs) after every mistake, after every sin, after every wrong choice, after every time that we rejected God, after every countless second and minute and day that we've wasted for ourselves, selfishly, he says, even now, return to me with all of your heart. My arms are still open to you. It says in verse 12, rend your hearts and not your garments. He's saying, I want to see genuine change in you. I want to see a change in your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This message These verses are beautiful because it shows you the God that we serve. If you've messed up a million times, even now he loves you. Even now he's even more passionate for you. Please stop living a life in opposition of his his glorious plan for you. Stop. I can testify to the sheer beauty of life lived out through his purpose for me. Stop living a lukewarm life and live a genuine relationship with God. Seek repentance. Understand the seriousness of the life that you live and the soul that you're harboring. And at the end of the day, it's just your fault. (laughs) It's your fault if you don't take this chance and this opportunity because God is calling you right now. And it's your decision to make. It's not God's decision for you to come to Him. He wants you to come to Him yourself. So do it, please. God loves us. Let's return to Him. Return to Him.
Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. The Wall Room Podcast does post every single Friday, and I, I really appreciate your support. I appreciate everything that you do. I appreciate you as an individual. Your life has meaning, okay? Find it. Let's live a genuine life for Christ while we're young. Stand bold. Be unafraid for the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, let me get it not serious anymore. (laughs) But for real, thank you all so much. And I hope you all have a great day. God bless.